One, two, ten. You're listening to the Claim the Throne Bloodcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2015. You're listening to the Claim of Throne Blogcast, and thanks for tuning in for another week for our 10-year anniversary episode. My name is Cabba, and as always, I'm joined by Ashley Large, the drummer of Claim the Throne. Ashley Large, how are you? Hello, Cabba. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. Hello. That's good. Yeah, g'day, mate. And we're also uh, joined by Floyd's feet here in the studio today uh, for a very special episode. Uh, I was thinking it was going to be a bit of a 10-year wrap-up of what we've been doing in the history of Claiming the Thorn. But I've just been advised by Ash, we've actually done that before in episode 20, a double episode, in fact. Don't drink, kids, it ruins your memory. <clears throat> yeah, pretty bad. And your form. memories. <laughs> so what are we actually going to do today, Ash? Uh, just talk about a few different things. We're approaching, well, we're in the writing process for our new album, 2015's Great Sandy Desert. Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we thought maybe we'd talk about uh, some of the things we'll be doing this time around and how we're approaching it differently and um, the associated tour with our 10-year anniversary. So I guess we'll start with our tour. So we had a show at Amps last week with uh, Suffering Rot. It was their album launch for their first CD, Ever Tried Cull. And One of the things you do is called recording their debut album. That is true. Which you've touched on a few times. Yep, that came so out. So it's exciting to finally have it... Uh, Released to the world, and I've been cranking it this week. Probably would be my album of the week. Huh. Productions kick ass. Yeah, the vocals funny. give me big erections, so it's real good. Yeah, that was cool. And also, yeah, Sanzu and Nine Foot Super Soldier rounded out the bill, and that was quite a quite a good evening. It was quite a decent amount of people in the amps room there, and yeah, we played a friggin' long set, hour and a half or something like that, with uh, yeah, a few a few tracks from each era. And a little acoustic set in the middle, which was very cool, I thought. And um, yeah, rounded it out with, and I said that phrase again, rounded it out with some <laughs> um, songs off Forged in Falm. So yeah, it was a pretty cool night. Yeah, man. And to round it out, um, <laughs> we did, play, <laughs> we played um, Hunting the Stars, which was nice. And you mentioned that that's actually the first time you've ever played that live. Yeah. Which I didn't even realize. Yeah. When I first joined the band, we talked about doing that one. And I learnt the first bit of it and then just never, we just never, ever played it again like mm. and never did it live. So it was cool to finally do something with that knowledge. Yeah. Well, to round it out, when you joined <laughs> the band, <laughs> you said uh, that you wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket and we were going to, um, we were talking about re-recording that first album anyway with you and, oh. and just redoing the whole thing you know proper pr proper production and proper playing and everything like that and we might be able to pull it off pretty cool never got around to it obviously yeah like we always do and um but it was cool to to still play them live and um yeah it went down pretty well i thought the vibe sort of picked up immediately as soon as we were playing that stuff as people hadn't seen it for a long time um some people hate it some people are obsessed with it so it's, it's interesting so uh anything really to add about the show and that tour we're heading to japan uh wednesday week which is the 19th of august that soon is yeah it? for three shows in i don't remember where they are where are they cabba uh they are in japan <laughs> uh they're in uh nagoya osaka and tokyo so the 21st in osaka 22nd nagoya 23rd tokyo uh, and then we also come back for about a week back to Perth and then we hit the east coast of Australia September 4 in Sydney September 5 in Melbourne for the Hell on the Bay Cruise Festival get your tickets now it's already uh, half sold out I've heard uh, so don't snooze otherwise you lose and then um, September 6 Sunday it's an all ages uh, all day festival in Geelong so it's going to be good fun and then uh, then we're back that'll be our last show for a long time I'd like to think and we yeah need to bust out our new album to round it out yeah, well, to uh, round out that conversation, that, that's pretty much our last gig for the year as far as uh, we've been chatting and, yeah, we're fully going to be getting in the writing and sort of pre-production refining process leading up to recording in hopefully late or well, December pretty much, early mm. January, finish up a new album. We were only chatting about that the other day that, you know, no more shows this year, that is it, we need to write this album then we got tested straight away with a pretty good gig off the other day did you see that yeah i did message some stuff i think we're probably 
give it the flick say so we've already rounded it out by then um <laughs> yeah well who would have thought our last show for the year would be in geelong that's a bit random yeah that's pretty good um the cattery the cattery cat house yeah, yeah. so that'll be pretty cool um today and last night i've actually been tabbing some songs on guitar pro and you've also mm. been doing the same right so you did buy a version of guitar pro yep. you said yeah i yeah, did me too bought it yesterday worth the money eh? for sure it's a wicked little program, yeah. underrated, or maybe not, probably does get the credit it deserves, um, but it's going to come in handy when we get to recording and every song that we have is going to be tabbed mm. um, and we can, we know how to play them hopefully by the time we get there, which is going to be different than Forge and Flame where we were sort of learning shit and writing whilst recording. Yeah. yeah that <laughs> was be prepared this year. That was tough. Um yeah, so that's all going pretty good. And I think just like with Forged in Flame, with having more than one writing member in the band, where suddenly <laughs> like, it feels like we've got a whole lot of bloody songs. And yeah, mm. <laughs> interesting. I agree, it's going to be fun. Uh, I guess the other thing happening on this episode, um, to round it out at the end of the episode, instead of a song today, we might just play some speak pipe messages. So thanks to the people that uh, recorded us a uh, happy 10th birthday message on claimthethrone.net. Over the right side of the screen, there's the speak pipe link. So we've got a few funny ones there uh, to check out and to discuss as well. The winner of the competition, as announced on stage in Perth the other night, was Amos Polglaze. Or as we like to say, Amosapoglase. And uh, he actually also made us a, a Claim the Throne birthday cake, which is a bit out of control. Yeah, that was good. And uh, that started on the stage at the start of the set and ended covered throughout the venue floor by uh, by rounding out the gig at the end. Yep. Um, didn't taste any of it. Assume it was really shit. A lot of people nah, just joking. Would have been good. Yeah, they did. And also Looked, had, yeah, a, a um, had a reading from the book of Claim the Throne by mm. one Oliver Udall, which was pretty nice. Gave me a chance to go and do a little whiz downstairs and <laughs> grab a drink. You did a piss during that mid-set. Yeah, dude. I walked off stage, went downstairs, went to the toilet, grabbed a drink, oh, came back up. How was that? Yeah, it was it Luxurious? Was yeah, it was great. And then you did an acoustic set and then sort of mm. gave me heaps, yeah, heaps of time to just have a break <laughs> between yeah, right. a lot of songs because that was a pretty grueling set, I've got to say. Yeah. I felt okay, surprisingly. Sometimes, I don't know, you can play a half an hour set and you're wrecked, but all of a sudden, hour and a half, I felt okay. I could have kept going a bit. Yeah. No, I felt good and mm. I feel it was because we did break it up that and, and mm. started with the earlier songs, which are less challenging to play. So, it was kind of like a, a good little warm-up. So, I felt really good by the time we got into the new stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, what about... Uh, I mean, I know you haven't been in the band 10 years, although it feels like you have, and you've contributed as much as someone that uh, would have been in a band for 10 years. So thanks for that, Ash. No worries, mate. Do we have any sort of tips on how to uh, ensure the longevity of a band? Because you see so many local bands come and go, and we're still sort of trudging along as we do. Um, you know, all the bands we play with now at local shows have not been around when we started. And all of the bands that we were playing with back then have long gone. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how the hell we did it. Well, I I, don't, I can't say I've ever actually thought about that specifically, but maybe, yeah, it might be because there has been a few sort of lineup changes and our current lineup was uh, solidified in 2010. But you've got Dyson who has very sort of heavy business uh, commitment on the side so he's unavailable for certain things and Jim has a couple of other bands that tour a lot so he's unavailable for a couple of things and it feels it feels like there we do have time off from the band mm. to do other things and then when we get together it's really nice because we're not just like week in week out constantly in each other's faces and getting bored and we're all off getting other influences and having our own little time away from the band and yeah i think when we get together it's it's a really fresh feeling all the time hmm. um and even when we're jamming we've been jamming weekly which is something we haven't done since probably early 2010 which is crazy to think about now um but yeah even every week it's a bit different it might be three of us there might be five four of us whatever 
and sometimes I've even been the only one that available and gone in and just just practice some drums and yeah it's just that it's not the same every time I think I was most bored with the band if that's such a thing when we were just getting ready for oh maybe not America maybe for Asia last year when we were just jamming and it was just the set list every single Monday and we it felt kind of stagnant because it was shit that we've been doing for ages and blah 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 whereas now it's like we did some old songs which was kind of fresh and we'd had some time off so it felt fresh again so yeah i guess when you're um, preparing for a tour as well it's sort of expected that everyone has to attend to practice otherwise you know people might be upset oh this person's not working as hard as we are and we have to sound good for this tour and whatnot whereas now it's pretty chilled like you say if you know if no one but one person can go to the jam we still go ahead and practice at least something's happening and uh it's not so predictable and you know not not stressful environment or anything so i'm enjoying it last couple months too yeah it's been great man Mm. and it's exciting because we're doing that writing as well and so we're always jamming some of the new stuff which is always very challenging because you know we're trying to step up each time we write and that throws another curveball like we don't play the old stuff as much now um yeah, so it keeps me on my toes anyway. makes it fun for me. Trying out different cool. things every time we play a new song. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, uh, yeah, definitely good. What about, um? so like why do bands even break up in the first place? Like, because you get these bands that last maybe two, three years. Like, why would you, why do you call it a day? I mean, if you don't get along with band members, maybe they just, I don't know, certain people would have to leave perhaps. Um, or you'd, I don't know, people get bored. Do they get married and have kids and settle down or do they just get, I don't want to change the style of music they're doing so they change projects? Yeah, I think all of those things, a lot of it's about perception really. If you're, you know, some I know some bands who just cannot bear to have another member doing something else because they think that their band needs all the focus and that can be true sometimes if you're booking a lot of shows but it's very rare that every single member of the band is involved in every single process like songwriting and stuff. So it's feasible to think that other members can have other projects or time off without it affecting your current band. And even if they miss a gig or two, we've become way more relaxed with that over the years. And it works out great because we, instead of going, oh, that guy's gone, oh, who are we going to get and fucking blah, blah. We've all almost adopted a couple of extra members of the band that can help us out on guitar and bass um, if we need it and yeah I guess that contributes to longevity mm. and it would suck to lose let's pretend Jim had he had this crazy year of touring let's pretend that we sort of had that hardline approach and said oh Jim if that's not your main band we want you out of here how fucking not it would be great to have the other guys in as full-time members they'd be awesome but then we'd not have Jim and he's mm. such an integral part you know like why would why would you ever want to lose someone who you enjoy having in the band so much mm. yeah so yeah so rule number one let people sh- share their eggs yeah around into other baskets um yeah just try and keep relaxed about it i guess guess like you know you need to have some sort of professionalism and strictness um you know and that sort of stuff but yeah keep it fun you, you know like and, and you can treat it as a business and everything but yeah i think um still needs a bit of lightheartedness about it and and be, just be happy for each other in the band if someone's got something else coming up that they're really passionate about and enjoying go for it you know be excited for them be proud of them and whatever and and just go on and and yeah like you say you have a few backup people that can fill in that are friends and that do get along with the band too. And, and that's probably something else that keeps it fresh, even, you know, playing shows with different people, that, you know, really break it up and be a lot of fun too. Mm. And cause work gets in the way as well. I remember hearing that um, yeah. Psychoptic went on tour, might've been Europe or the States, one of the two, they had a huge tour and um, their bass player was working and he didn't financially, he had a good opportunity or something like that. So he, opted for work over the band and instead of kicking him out which i know a lot of grassroots bands would do um they just got a fill-in for that one tour and i know they've even had Mm. i think they've even had their sound guy fill in on bass in Mm. europe or maybe it was just a couple of one-off shows but 
you know they he's still in the band to this day the the a bass player so um yeah i think that's pretty important because we are what what are we talking about here like how often do you tour unless you're in a band like maybe king parrot who at the moment are, are sort of bridging that gap between a a sort of successful underground band and kind of taking off overseas so they've kind of got a constant schedule so maybe that's a point where you've got to go look I if you're playing this. 200 shows a year that's a different story yeah. i guess um but if you're a, a band in the making you know, yeah it's different and yeah have those people feeling and we had a uh, floyd the dog feeling on bass once and it sounded just as good as jim did so you know, <laughs> it's not hard yeah just joking so yeah that's probably a um, huge thing man cool and so i mean some people would probably think that we're bridging the gap between being a local band and getting some sort of, I don't know, popularity elsewhere as well, which may or may not be true. But would you say that um, that time is a factor in that? Do you just, you know, stick it out longer? And, you know, once we sort of started getting to, I don't know, five or six years in, that's when we started to play interstate shows and stuff. I mean, the first few years, we really didn't get anywhere. We are just enjoying it and, um, you know, writing songs and having a blast playing in Perth. Um, but some people might sort of get turned off if they don't sort of see that success so quickly. Um, so probably one of the factors for us as well is sticking it around so long. And once we hit that that mark and, and you know the third album sort of thing, then we started perhaps I don't know learning how to even do touring and whatnot, and um, and also getting the opportunities coming our way as well. Um, so yeah, just probably something not that would. Yeah, not be a reason to, to quit a band because you're not getting anywhere. Just hold it out and question why you're not getting there yet and eventually you'll get good. Yeah, well, I joined the band four years into the 10-year history and it wasn't until then that like we did our first interstate shows and it kind of has... It feels like we've done... Well, we have done so much in the last six years, but... It's been maybe two things a year for six years and we've ticked off, you know, America, UK, uh, Australia a bunch of times, Asia a couple of times and Indonesia and New Zealand. Play with the scurvy dogs once. Yeah, and it's it's it has taken its time, but it's just that sort of constant uh, trickling of, of new opportunities and local shows like supports in between that. But yeah, I mean... I feel like this is the cruisiest band I've been in, even though we've done the most because we're happy to, oh, we might not be actually, but you know, like the way that Perth works, you can't play every single weekend if you expect people to keep wanting to come to see you. So yeah, that, that large amount of time in, in between tours helps us to sort of keep our lives going normally as well as, um, you know, giving Jim and Dicey opportunities to do other traveling and um, us to sort of get our professional careers on track, all that kind of biz. So, yeah, uh, part of it's time, but also part of it's just sticking to it and not getting bored and always still trying to write better songs or, or not even better songs, but just refine or experiment or do whatever it is, just not be stale, basically. Like for ourselves, forget what the public thinks of us. Um, everything we do that's new, we're excited about. And that sounds so cliche, but it's why else would we do something if we're like, all right, time to fucking churn out another bloody folk pop anthem or something. <laughs> you know, like fucking we're just sort of doing what we're doing and letting yeah. the way that music influences us as individuals influence the band over time mm -hmm. and we've created a lot of opportunities too like we've made oh, contacts that's why we're going to japan because we made contacts on another trip that was sort of unrelated to us but those guys were very cool hooked them up with the band's music they liked it blah 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 then then we get opportunities in japan so yeah it's just working at it and being relaxed and not being a dickhead. And a lot of bands I know that from personal experience, getting into bands that kind of riding a, um, not a trend, but riding a wave of a style of music that is, it is sort of taking off that there's a super saturation of and you get kind of lost in it. And that's when those bands just break up because there's sort of nowhere else to go because the genre fucking eats itself. Mm. 
so yeah what we're doing um especially it's only really just catching on in australia now um yeah it's good to sort of have already been there done that sort of for our first couple of releases and now we're you know we've done our time mm-hmm. there a bit and we're writing new shit that's different yeah so yeah but being really passionate about what you do i guess and sometimes you can see bands that play and you know they're okay and they're just doing what everyone else is doing at the moment and you, you're sort of watching and you're going i bet this band's not going to be around another year yeah um, yeah they're, they're doing it for a bit of fun and stuff which is all well and good um but yeah to really stick it out for the long haul you've got to really be passionate about what you're doing and um interesting about what you're saying just um earlier as well you've got to be committed to doing things all the time you know when you have a lull of shows you're not playing much or you've, you know you're not ready to put the new album yet out yet or whatever you've always got to be doing something you see a lot of um bands just just easy to sort of get lazy or to um just to to take that step back and chill for a while and then you can't be bothered getting back into it or you lose the momentum of, of just keep working um so, I mean, you know, if, if you're not ready to do a new album and you've got no other tours coming up or anything like that, there's always things you can do, you know, in, increase your stuff online, keep doing your networking, book other shows, book local shows, um, you know, look look for the future, set timelines, book meetings with your band members and chat about what everyone wants to do and just have things to work towards. And, um, you know, yeah, the more you're working, the more you're just keeping in the zone and keeping that momentum flowing and... And then when you're ready, you know, you know, oh, in a year's time, we're going to start writing the new album. So um, let's not book any other tours, but let's just keep practicing. Maybe we all want to get better at sort of music, I don't know, certain styles of playing or whatever. And um, and then we know in a year's time, it's going to, we're going to have to knuckle down. So maybe in the lead up, I'll start writing a few riffs or whatever, or just banking um, a few ideas or setting up my, um, my studio or my home set up and or saving up for a new guitar, working really hard somewhere and saving money, buying new stuff. And um, then when it comes to the time when you're ready to go, yep, okay, cool, we're writing now, or yet this tour is coming up, you're all set, you're prepared, you're not sort of overloading yourself with heaps of shit to do. Um, so, yeah, just just keep plugging away all the time and enjoy what you do, really. Yeah, and I think about, like, your studio getting better at home and how that's improved significantly since the last one. So you were stoked to have a wicked little multi-track set up for Forged in Flame and now it's like plug and play Kemper <laughs> with um, wicked sounding drum samples and shit like that. Like you can get a really clear picture of your song ideas now more than mm. ever before. And yeah, same, like our demos are sounding better than the first album, like production <laughs> wise. And it's just based off like things we've talked about on the show with uh, making templates and just being able to turn on a computer and mucking around with riffs and then it's sounding like a great song mm-hmm. is such a huge step up because it keeps people excited and you really get to do pre-production when you're demoing essentially. Um, and then it's only jamming after there to tighten up a few things. And with the guitar proing, sending it around to everyone, everyone can learn their shit, then come to jam and you can still might take a few jams to tinker around with and jam on specific sections, but it does speed the whole process up a lot and it allows that work that you sit around and do in a lull period to really pay off when you go back to it. Because I I, I like sitting in the room. Like last week I've got uni work I have to be doing. And last week I I went up to do some or some other shit and ended up playing guitar for like six hours (laughs) and finished a song. And, And it was just... And now that's the one I'm tabbing this week and... You know, within two weeks, suddenly there's a bloody new song floating around that now I have to learn on drums. You know, it's it's cool, man. I really like how it's it's happening. And and now Jessie's kind of at a level you were at with Forged in Flame with her demo set up so she can plug in mm-hmm. um, keyboards and and do drums and do all this sort of stuff. So, and I think that really goes to show it. Even new gear between albums all of these things are just like little one percenters that add up and the time you start your next album, holy shit, even your tone's a little bit better. Mm. And yeah, our outlook and the way we do things and especially with goddamn Fortune and Flame being such a learning curve for us as a band, um, you know, we're reaping the rewards of this one being cheaper now and um, mm-hmm. 
being really clearly defined in terms of what we're capable of ourselves and what role does does production play in all of this and timelines for looking for labels or getting things pressed like we i think yeah man it's a whole nother whole nother level now and i feel way more confident about everything which again is exciting as well for sure yeah and i love that we've been like slowly gradually improving on all that stuff you know over time it's not you know i'd hate now that we're we'd be sitting down and going all right we're recording in the next six months we need to write an album and then you go and sit down with your music gear and you're like shit i need to set this up and need to set this up and i need to work out how i'm going to get this to work and whatever and then you know a few hours later you go shit there goes all my writing time i didn't get one thing done um so just yeah being prepared in advance for that sort of thing um and you just mentioned then as well um even you know approaching labels and and what your plan is going to be when you go ahead when you go forward uh to round things up um (laughs) i mean you know if you've got some quiet time between touring and writing and whatever why not you know build a database of contacts that you can get in touch with with labels wise or promo or radio or you know addresses for reviewers and whatever and just have all your your stuff set up in spreadsheets or whatever you do um you know there's never any shortage of stuff you can do in the quiet time and then then when push comes to shove and you hit hit the ground running you're all set up and good to go and not stressed out and not wasting your time doing unproductive things um and, and as well i guess with writing like you were saying now um like yeah we can send ideas to each other over the internet during the week before getting to jam again the next week we can send tabs we can send ideas and whatnot we can have discussions over the net saying here learn these this song i've tabbed it out to make your life easier so we get to jam we can just play it there's no no wasting time teaching one person a section or anything like that um and even you know the conversations of oh that song's good but uh, this section doesn't really flow or how about you try doing it this way that can all be done over the net you don't need to waste your your jam time during the following week having those discussions or arguments or whatever they they be um so yes i don't know planning ahead can be more productive and uh definitely more rewarding and and keep you just in a good zone and and excited about about the future and everything moving forward i'm probably yeah the most excited about about this band as i've been ever really yeah yeah me too no signs of slowing down yeah, that was really cool last week when I finished that song and I thought, fuck, I think that's done. Sent it to Cabba and he put it in his stuff and it like just grabbed, copied a couple of p- bits and thought that they would blend in nicely at the end and sent it back and I listened and went, yeah, cool. And then from my end was able to sort of make those changes to the actual, like the actual demo and now I'm tapping it up that version and it's like we haven't, had to see each other to get that done and I'll have emailed that tonight and you know like, like we can set tasks for each other during the week or like things we'd like to accomplish mm-hmm. and we even talked about artwork as well let's get on a a bit of a hunt for something some sort of a theme we'd like to do and yeah all that shit can be done over the internet and yeah it's it's really fucking cool we were chatting about Paul Jennings books too yeah. that got me pretty excited me too and when I was, There's all, yeah. all sorts of ideas in the works with our concept for the next album. Yeah. So... I ordered two books off the net. They haven't arrived I? yet. What ones? Mm. Unseen and Unmentionable. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. And then we have that chat sometimes, you know, do you lose the, I don't know, what it, the, the traditional idea of what a band's supposed to be about if it's all done without seeing someone in person? But I mean, we still chat over Skype. Obviously, we still do podcasting as well which is another thing you can do in your spare time um i need to do a piece in the spare time can you do you keep talking or no i'll wait i'll probably uh do something too oh how's that fuck two coffees and a beer is goes straight through me (laughs) um what was the last thing you were saying starting to talk about um Oh, oh, losing the feel of being in an actual band. Yeah. It, is that even worth talking yeah, about? Yeah, can I comment on okay. that? Okay. Yeah, man. Please, fire away, cunt. So, I reckon Forged in Flame is definitely the best thing we've ever done, right? Um, but the process 
in finalising what tracks were going to be on there was similar to Triumph and Beyond. Triumph and Beyond, we jammed heaps and heaps and heaps on the songs, but then we added like three at the last minute to round it out. And, um, and they were like, we just sort of went in based on what the pre-production was for it and just recorded that. Whereas they evolved once we started playing those songs live. Then with Forged in Flame, we kind of did the same thing. Like six of the songs were sort of worked on quite meticulously and are pretty much as they, they played live now, the way they were written. Whereas the other six, I listen to them now and, and we could totally make tweaks and changes to them. But yeah, we really accepted them again over email with demos and stuff. And I don't think we lost anything from that. But it didn't give us the chance to refine and sculpt them as much as we would like. So this time around with this, it sounds so crazy to think like a new approach is to jam every week, considering we <laughs> used to do that for fucking years. Um, it really is to do that, to get these songs, to tab them out, to have them the way they are, but then to actually learn to play them as a band um, and yeah, fill in what's missing over the net which is that that sort of slight bit of interaction. and yeah. So it's a, it's a whole process. It's not as simple as rocking up to a jam once a week and magic's going to happen all the time. It might sometimes, but yeah, it's not as simple as that. There's more to it. And it's not as simple as just doing shit in your own time and talking over the internet and never jamming. So you've got to have that combo and, and find out what works for for the band specifically, I guess. But it seems to be flowing good at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm really loving it, man. And... And, you, you know, when you're jamming on a song, you realise that people are taking cues from certain bits and you start doing something that everyone responds to and it just, everything just makes the song just a little bit better and, hmm. yeah, I guess more refined and how it flows. And an example is last week we were jamming on a song, a new song that we've been jamming on for quite a while now. And we just sort of, as we were playing it, I kind of gave everyone the nod it didn't really work that well, but to just repeat a section. And then now that's just the way we do it and it works. And yeah, being able to try that stuff rather than sitting down and moving shit around on a computer, sometimes that's really boring and doesn't give you a good idea anyway because it's just a computer, not a band. So yeah. Yeah, cool. So say writing a song at home, tracking it, demo tabs, whatever, everyone learns it, then you're jamming with everyone and you you can just feel it properly you know what's flowing what's not maybe this section is is awesome let's keep it going so just wave everyone on like say keep going keep going through it double a section cut a section out whatever yeah it's gonna gonna pay off i think come recording time yeah and then i think that's the role of demoing so then after that the pre-production could actually just be like sticking a microphone like al from begurk said episode whatever that was really good tip stick a mic in the middle of the room and listen to how everything is going together. And then when you go in, you might have to record some scratch tracks for your drummer or play in the studio with them or whatever, but you might not even need to, to do that. You just have more of an idea of um, what you're going to be doing once you're in the studio. So I noticed that, um, that you do record things at Jam fairly regularly. You just whip your phone out or whatever you got. What do you do with that? Do you go home and listen uh, to it or do you forget about it? Yeah, I, I do listen to it and it's like, I know last week that some people were like, oh, I don't even fucking know the song yet. Don't record it. And it's, for me, it's, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny, but it's not about that. It's, yeah, for me, I like to listen and go like, look, I'm trying some pretty tough stuff for me, challenging stuff. Am I pulling it off? Or am, So you're just listening back to your own playing? Yeah, yeah. And just thinking like, does this sound authentic what I'm doing? Or is it better the other way kind of thing? Because mm. yeah, there's always a safe way of playing a song for me. And then there's the new way. And for me, I always push for, um, push for something that's a little bit different if I can. Mm -hmm. um, mainly to not make myself bored. And I figure, hey, if I can't play something the first time, but then I learn it, then I must be getting better, right? <laughs> So that's me. Ripping. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, nice. What else? Yeah, I guess uh, Suffering Rot album got released. Yeah. Pretty good. You said you liked it. Dicey said he thought it sounded yeah. weird for two. Weird. Yeah. Oh, like, right. Oh, that was nothing. For like two songs. No, no, no. But he was like, for two songs, I was like, what the hell is this? Um, the sound. 
And then he said, oh, yeah, it just totally sounds like old school death metal, like you're actually going for a sound there. So, yeah. Oh, fuck. Here's, here's Tim Clifford. Fuck, you're crazy. Thanks, man. You on the beers? Cheers, mate. What a good egg. Oh, <laughs> oh, service. Um, thanks, buddy. Service with a smiley. Cool. So I got more beer. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and then he said, you're actually going for a sound. I listened to oh, it because yeah. it's been six months since I have. And I think, okay, what are the sort of... That was a pretty express recording and, and mix and master session. What are the... Um, uh, the good and the bad bits of it. And it's sort of almost like pre-production for me in recording our new album because I know what worked for them and they were obviously going for a really specific sound. Um, ours would be a little bit more modern sounding, I would think. And um, yeah, it's just cool to know that... I, I don't even know what it is cool. It's just good to have that experience before going into an album of ours and knowing what time is worth spending on shit because you can endlessly work on stuff but what Mm. is really going to give you the results you want and i think that if we redirect that into writing and perfecting the songs then the production will sort of speak for itself Mm -hmm. god the vocals sound like corpse grinder that's pulled off really well yeah yeah he's a freak eh? out of control so really glad that that came out the way it sounds live um and the guitar squeals, forget about it. Yeah. So many of those and real effective. And then just, yeah, the vibe in general, really old school. Um, so, yeah, it's good. Like what they're doing and I like what you did to them. Yeah. Um, and just listening to a lot of different albums these days, like um, sort of anti-melodic death metal albums, like slow, doomy, vibey sort of things and just hearing how that might be able to influence the way our albums sound sonically um, as opposed to the writing is, um, mm-hmm. is pretty cool. So yeah. And we're, and we're at the back, the back nine, so to speak, there's a few things to build for the new album, but I think that we're ready to go pretty much mm-hmm. like as soon as those things are done, we could start recording at any time. Um, ready to round it out. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting, man. I'm really looking forward to, to just doing things different to last time and maybe actually spending less time on tracking because we know what the fuck we're doing this time. Um, yeah. In terms of the songs, like it sucked teaching each you other. don't have parts. to learn the song while you're tracking. Yeah. But so I true. mean, that was, was almost one of the luxuries last time around of, because it was our first time not going to a studio to record, doing it ourselves. Mm. So I think, I don't know, I'll probably have this thing in my head where I wanted that to happen i wanted to feel what it was like to just go in and not be rushed and not have to learn it before going in and not be on the clock and that sort of thing yeah and it was nice i mean it was yeah luxurious and stuff but also stressful and also not as um not as productive as it could be i think so we'll get there i think this time will be like the perfect medium ground and and we've learned a bit on the way yeah and there were all these little technical hitches we had and you know, some parts that we were learning on the spot, we were tracking. We had our piss lane and our cum lane. So, like, <laughs> each guitar had, a like, a second take track that we would put in. Like, that ta- take was pretty awesome. If we can get one better than that, we'll use it, but we'll save this one just in case. And when I ended up compiling everything that we'd done, I pretty much ended up deleting that sort of extras lane Mm. except for one or two times where it came in handy where some, there was like a squeak in the guitar or a little missed note or something like that. So, yeah, all those things I think will speed up the process, especially if we all know the goddamn songs. So, yeah. Yeah. In terms of um, maybe not reference albums, but say as an alternative to album of the week this week, mm-hmm. could we do uh album of the decade or an album that you would like to – strive towards or as your i don't know central album with wanting what you want to achieve with climbing the thorn yep sure there might for me there might be like a cross between a couple of different things Um, yeah let's go with that i'll go with a cross as well yeah so my first instinct is to combine the the sort of the big epicness of agaloc 
serpent and the sphere and the broodingness of that style of production and how sort of real everything sounds but instead of that big tubby distorted drum sound which i do like on that album get like a more of a ahab the giant sort of real drum sound like so it sounds like a drummer in a studio but very clear or i actually heard i can't believe i'm saying this but i I listened to a bit of mastodon the hunter the other day and i I actually really like that drum sound on there i I think it's impossible for me to pull that sort of a result um because i'm such an amateur they've they've always had a good drum sound eh? yeah and that's i think like blood mountain was like my main drum reference in general for claim the throne so yeah some maybe just that really super super real dynamic drumming sound rather than the triggered sound except for kicks of course which almost a necessity with death metal to have Mm -hmm. and then yeah bass like um oh yeah or even blood sugar sex magic like bass and drum rhythm section sound like that would be unreal with like um yeah just very clear and stacked vocals on top would be awesome so Mm -hmm. just yeah that little combination of things there just heavy mid-rangey get high gain guitars punchy bass kick and snare realistic tubby sounding toms and sweeping keyboard parts what about you i love that um yours is straight out based on um production ideas Mm -hmm. so i'll go with um from a songwriting perspective i guess and mine are always going to be more like thrashy or folky for example whereas you've gone for hell doom and shit which is <laughs> awesome because so i love the idea that we're going to be combining you know that folky thrashy feel with with um you know with doomy stuff i guess the aesthetics um, of yeah. doom the aesthetics of doom that could be the album of the uh name of the album yeah what are yours uh, my n- number one is always um sudakra Imprised avalon is what I've been going for pretty much the last ten years, I think. Mm-hmm. That sort of uh, that sort of feel to the songs, where it's it's folk metal, but it's it's also melodic death metal, and it's just combined well, clean vocals and uh, and growly stuff. Uh, then probably dissection, storm of the lights, bane, because it's it's black metal, but it's also melodic death metal. Um, always goes back to that, and it's um, got that really grim, cold feel to it. Uh, and then probably from a production point of view as well, that's nice to bear bear in the back of your mind when you're recording as well. Uh, and just, yeah, real touching, nice riffs. Um, probably also um, some earlier Moon Sorrow stuff, Kim and Kataya album perhaps. Um, we're just mm-hmm. making things sound a bit more epic and layers and, uh, yeah, stuff like that, I guess, and, and, and interesting use of folk metal without being too over the top folky but also still being still grim. having um some real standout melodies but still being grim uh, which i think is what we've always sort of been going for mm-hmm. uh oh, there's probably a, a bunch of others i'm sure at the gate slaughter of the soul is a good one in terms of riffage and guitar tone i guess fuck yeah and energy you know and just song after song good quality and do you writing. know that honestly vocal wise that's what i should have said is cabba slaughter of the soul vocal sound mm. for your main screams and that guitar tone is when i say a high gain guitar sound that's exactly mm. what i think of yeah yeah uh, I re- yeah i remember you saying when we were recording some forging flame vocals whatever it was you were like it's all right but i want to hear more desperation in your voice yeah and then it was as soon as you start doing that at the gates obituary type things like really pushing it out and real desperate sounding yeah it's like right at the top so of cool. the pitch that it should be as if it's yeah. about to creep up, but it doesn't. And it's just clinging to the top without busting through that ceiling. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ash is looking at the ceiling, everyone. Yeah, like actually me. I am. Cool. Yeah. All right. Good discussion. Um, we can just about uh, round things up, <laughs> but um, we've got a few speak pipes to play. And uh, Amos Poglaz has asked a bit of a doozy that's probably going to take a fucking 10 years to answer. Can you? Um, so, if you we want to allow time for that, we're going to perhaps play these um, these speak pipes before we 
like instead of playing a song, because we're pretty much all out of songs to play on the end of podcasts. If you want to hear free claim the throne music, just go through every single episode of the podcast and we've got a different song at the end of each episode. And so you can uh, stream them there and rock out, but we're pretty much out without repeating fucking songs again, Yeah, which means we're due for a new album. So anyway, today we'll just play some voice messages uh, we've got Owen Oliver Udall and Amos Poglase coming right up for you now. Do we have to comment on any of these? Nah, just Amos. What does Amos say? What's he your asked, favourite cocktail? Oh, way worse. Um, something about, uh, okay, knowledge and experience, how they both relate or differ, and how can we relate that to the context of Claim the Throne? Plato's problem is a question that was asked by Noam Chomsky of what is the difference between experience and knowledge and how the two relate. If you can answer this question, please relate it to the band Claim the Throne. I think we've almost answered that already in this podcast. We pretty much have been talking about that through the whole episode, which is interesting, huh? Yeah, so... What do you say? Briefly, knowledge is knowledge comes from experience almost, and um, yeah. But in order to gain experience, you've got to have some sort of knowledge, I guess. Yeah. So, in in terms of um, I don't know, being in an active band, perhaps you've got to have some sort of knowledge of how it all works. You've got to know how to play your instrument. You've got to know how to get yourself on a tour. You've got to know how to book a show. You've got to know how to communicate with other band members and and everything. But once you do all those things, you start gaining experience and that's when you really start um, pulling off some quality live shows or quality music writing. Um, got to combine the both. Both are essential. Um, and then it's at that point that you put all your eggs in one basket and then round things out. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you a question? So thanks, yeah, thanks, Amos, for your comment. Can I say one more thing? Because yep. it reminded me of a quote, and I can't remember where the quote's from or anything, but um, I've said it before, and it's maybe on this podcast, but uh, uh, good experience comes from... Wait, no, good judgment comes from experience, but experience is created from bad judgment or something like that, So, which implies that you've got to fail to get experience in the first place and then once you keep failing and you keep building more and more experience uh that's when you're going to start uh using good judgment and you're going to have a good idea of how everything works and and you know you're going to going to improve yourself and your band in the context of music for you amos what's your question largy my question is my latest project at the moment actually um is to try and get cabba to buck the system sell his kemper and buy a mini tube band <laughs> Righto. Is that a question or is that a statement? The question is, do you think you'll ever be Why? convinced of doing that? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, it could be. Um, and maybe it's just like a broader point to bring up. Cabba was a very early adopter of the Kemper. In fact, it was Ian from Red Descending who had the first Kemper that I ever knew of and talked Cabba into it. And since then, since me joining Red Descending, um, I've chatted to... Ian, because I've gone kind of anti, not anti-digital, but just I can't get the results I'm looking for with this digital stuff. Maybe mm. I just don't know how to tweak it and I certainly don't have a Kemper to use full time. Um, so I've gone the opposite direction and bought myself a mini little tube amp, which is, yeah, giving me the best sort of silent recording home bedroom stuff I've ever got. Um, but now those small amps are being made by your Mesa Boogies and your PVs and stuff and they're small enough to be taken on board a plane, just like a Kemper. The only problem is, if it even is a problem, is that you're narrowing yourself down to one amp's particular voicing. But my question is, is that a good thing? Because then by limiting your options, you're just focusing on the essentials. And if you do want like some nice chorus or delayed lead sound or clean sound, you just bring two pedals in your backpack and a noise gate and a tuner, so four pedals and a foot switch and just sort of cut out the the problem that digital has been giving us you know with like having to use midi foot controllers and um you know digitally having to level out different sounds on patches and blah 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 so like option paralysis versus 
um, having no options. So what are your thoughts on mm. that, Cabba? Well, I th- yeah, we start off by saying I think the Kemp is amazing and jamming with Red Descending and seeing what can be done with it via someone like Ian is what really blew my dick off because he really makes the most out of all the functionality of the Kemper. Um, when it comes to someone like myself, my main problem with which is having a standard head and cab set up with uh, the PV5152, which was awesome. I love the sound of, or the distortion sound really um, and it was great to take to gigs live, but you can't tour with it. So I needed something smaller and at the time that just seemed like a good option and all these extra little uh, nifty functions that you could get out of the camper. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty much sold on that. And, um, you know, just having the option to to find different guitar tones online or whatever and USB them straight into it and, and muck around and set up your little performance um, set up to have, you know, two, you know, a, a distortion, a lead boost and acoustic tone and a delay tone. And then link all that to your MIDI pedal and you're away. And it's been really good for that. But after having it for, I don't know, whatever it's been, a year and a half, two years, that's all I've used it for, which still I've got my money's worth and it's that's all I ever really wanted. But I probably haven't used all of the functionality as much as uh, a lot of people would. Um, but but it's working for me as, as far as the live thing goes. It's light. I can take it on tour. I can put it in a bag. Um, you know, plug and play it. Everything's easy as piss really. Um, but that being said, being that if all I really need is just a good guitar, good distortion tone, good acoustic tone, uh, ease of use, uh, light and, uh, being able to be packed into a hand luggage for a plane, then perhaps, you know, some of these new options for, for tube stuff in a really small compact, device would be worthwhile and perhaps even more beneficial if you're getting a, a better more real sounding guitar tone out of it rather than that digital thing and, and move away from that so it's yeah i wouldn't be adverse to it yeah um, but you know I, I don't have any major problems with with my setup at the moment so i wouldn't probably spend the time or money trying to to change it all at this point Mm. but if i hear someone like you reminding me every week that i should change it then i probably just would yeah the, the way i look at it is that um i really want i hate the idea of having too many little pedals like little boss noise gates and tuners and having to daisy chain everything on stage it gives me the shits yeah. and getting heaps of nine volt batteries fuck off eh? yeah yeah i can totally <laughs> see where you come from with that um my thing with it is for the recording because again i'm always looking at that side of things as well and um, it would it would be nice to take that tone that you're using on stage and in the rehearsal room and for demoing and just put that straight onto the album. I love that. And I think that's what <clears throat> that's what the thing with the Kemper is, is a lot of people sample the amps they use on their album and then play with that um, profiled head live through the Kemper, which <laughs> is which is like <clears throat> the reverse of what I'm saying. Um but our problem is we don't have a studio where we can crank a fucking sick head and endlessly reamp or track with with a head. So I like the idea of a small head and doing it in a sort of a silent way with, um, you know, a analog front end and then a, a digital cabinet or something or, or maybe like a 10-inch cabinet blended with the digital cabinet. You know, just shit like that and getting the tone in the old school way but just in a modern context and then taking that out on the road but there's mm-hmm. no cab has still got a 5152 in his cupboard and i was just saying a jam the other day maybe maybe we can just track with that and yeah who knows just um still tour with cab's current kemper profile or even just profile the tone from that and um and dicey can do the same thing as well <laughs> you know, and use that as our new tone. But yeah, for me, it would just be lovely. I've got this tiny little amplifier, seven and a half watt amp sitting next to me on my desk. And I just, it's as easy as just flicking it on when I want to play guitar and I get the pretty awesome tone out of it. So having the like Mesa Boogie equivalent of that would be fucking sick. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. I think we can work mm-hmm. around it either way. Um, but I just loved that Cabo was saying like, I only need distortion and a good clean tone. So mm. why do I have all these options? And and 
to put that over to keyboard, Jesse's just bought a new keyboard. And rather than going for a, a synthesizer that can do fucking everything, um, she simply wants a piano sound, a string sound, and that's, that's about it. So she's gone for a digital piano rather than an actual synthesizer. So there's less options on there, but what it does do, it does really well. So it's got the feel and the action of piano keys and like a really dedicated piano sound bank and then some strings to boot. And it's not that we're going to record with that exact sample set, but maybe we will if it sounds good enough. And yeah, just keeping things simple sometimes and just getting what you need out of it might be better than like a fuckload of options. Kind of like triggering and all that Mm -hmm. stuff with drummers. Like why use all the bells and whistles if you can get away with in the studio what you'd want to tour with live so i've actually dropped a th- the third tom i use on my rack i use um i use now a five-piece kit two crashes and one china rather than having any splashes or i've always sort of been anti-splash but rather than doing all that extra shit in the studio and then just having to make do live without it why not just make do in the studio and have it translate perfectly live yeah, man, I'm all for it, and I, I like that way of thinking. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if move towards that. Just a discussion point. type of stuff going forward. So, yeah. very interesting, and um, I'd like to see one of these little tube amps in the flesh. Hey, um, well, either a Messer or a, a PV one. Um, yeah, the- and have a play around with it and whatever, and then probably would be convinced pretty easily. Um, but yeah, the, the clean tone thing is always a problem. I, I don't like the, the clean tone that comes out of them. So I'd need to get some sort of delay pedal or something like that. Mm, um, mm. Yeah. And yeah, then, interesting. and because, yeah, you don't, like you say, you don't have all of that extra shit stomp box section that's available on the Kemper. Yeah. You'd be running a tube screamer. Yeah. And then you, for like, um, cleaning up your EQ curve, which is available digitally on the Kemper. And then you can, um, and then run a delay for your solo and clean tone, possibly a chorus as well if you care that much, and maybe even a little bit of reverb if it's not available in the amp. You know what I mean? Like it does mm. start to sound too much fucking around and a noise suppressor, so you're at very least with the tuner looking at four pedals, yeah. and you don't sound like you can be fucked with that. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But we'll see, and, and I'm yeah, I'm glad that Jesse's gone for that angle of um, yeah, the digital piano, and we'll see how that works at jams, and you know perhaps the the combination of whatever sounds she's got there, um, strings combined with um, you know the guitar clean tone, it could work well. Who knows, you know? Yeah, yeah. Open to it. Yeah, open as fuck. We've been chatting for an hour. I need a rock a piss, so let's get out of here. Yep. Sounds good, man. Thanks for your time. All right. And no walkers and likewise. And we'll be back again next week or sometime soon and probably with a bunch of interviews and shit coming up, hopefully, um, to get some more exciting people here chatting to your two hot hosts, Cabra and Ash, <laughs> that you can find on Twitter at Mr. Cabba. That's M-R-C-A-B-B-A or Ash Throne. Some shit at Ash underscore Throne. Is that it? Nah, just one word. A-S-H. Just one word. T-H-R-O-N-E. Ashley Large wins the Claim the Throne spelling bee and you can also find Claim the Throne at at ctt underscore au facebook.com slash Claim the Throne Instagram Claim the Throne and uh, all this podcast uh, show notes and whatnot free articles free awesome shit at claimthethrone.net you can leave voice messages there that we'll play on the show too we do have claimthethrone.com which is our main website but we have uh, no one looking after it at the moment so it's really out of date and we do need someone new so if you are a full on nerd and are keen on a really exciting project over the next six months on getting our shit up to date get in touch info at claimthethrone.com and uh, we'd be really delighted to hear from you or if you know any nerds out there that would be keen on setting us up a good website and a very uh, innovative new way to release our new album tell them and they can email us info at claimthethrone.com thanks again it's been fun as fuck you're not getting a song today go back through the last 40 episodes and you can find heaps of free shit bye see ya (laughs) hey Oliver here calling in to wish you a happy 10th anniversary you bunch of sexy viking raiders may there be many more years of productive burning and pillaging ahead of you stay brutal hello climbing the sun oh yeah you're supreme (laughs) 
feel the pain I feel. I've lost all sense of what is real. I'm lost in the world I detest. Can you feel the pain I feel? This wound I've got will never heal. I'm lost in the serpent's unrest. Oh. Set me free. Crucify life itself. And let the joy be the reality. Our suffering life. The dream. Scorching the inside of my skin. Terminal spirit disease. Energy first twisting my tortured nerves. 